This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. Facebook Design invests in building and teaching designers using the best tools for the job. I asked Jessica Watson, a product design manager, what she's learned about design since working there. I've learned that truly as a designer, your work is never done. Um, the product's always a work in progress. There's always opportunities to improve and iterate, um, learn from people using the product, and that's one of the things I really love working here is I have the ability to continuously touch the product um, and it's not just, you know, one and done, but there's never an end, which um, is really exciting because it means that there's always an opportunity to make things better. Good design never ends. Learn more about Facebook design at facebook.com forward slash design. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I just wanted to remind you about How Design Live. So How Design Live is going to be here in Atlanta from May 19th through May 23rd. I'm going to be speaking there um, on Friday, May 20th, giving an updated version of my presentation, Where Are the Black Designers? So if you're going to be here in Atlanta, I mean, definitely let me know. I'm going to be around pretty much the whole week. There's going to be a lot of different events and things like that. I'll have some Revision Path laptop stickers with me, so if you see me, definitely uh, let me know. Those are going to be first come, first serve. And if you're in town but you're not attending the conference, then make sure that you come see the exhibit hall for free on Saturday, May 21st. That's going to be from noon to 7.30 p.m. You will need to register for that, so go to HowDesignLive.com for more details. Now let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp and Hover. More than 10 million businesses around the world use MailChimp for marketing automation and email newsletters. Of course, we use it here at Revision Path too. MailChimp makes it super easy for businesses to not only send better email, but to make something beautiful and connect directly with their customers. Take a look at what you can do at inspiration.mailchimp.com. When you have a great idea, you want to secure a great domain name for it, and that's where Hover comes in. Hover makes it really easy for you to find the domain name that you're looking for and get it up and running with no hassle and no heavy-handed upselling. So go ahead and grab yourself a domain today and use the promo code REVISIONPATH and you'll save 10% off your purchase. Here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. So we're now up to 35 patrons for a combined total of $247 per month. A new record. Again, huge, huge thanks for everyone that has already pledged your support and your appreciation for the show. It really, really means a lot. If you want to become a patron of Revision Path and get access to some great perks like special giveaways, early access to future episodes, and free Revision Path swag, head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path and make that happen. Pledge levels are super affordable. They start at just $1 a month, and it's a really great way to support the show on a regular basis. Now let's go to this week's interview. I'm talking with Harrison Wheeler, design manager at Base. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, my name is Harrison Wheeler. I am a design manager at Base CRM located in Mountain View, California. Talk to me about Base CRM. What is it that you all do? 
Yeah, so for people that may not be familiar with the idea of CRM, we're basically a, a customer relationship management software, just kind of from the baseline. We're actually really kind of marketing ourselves as a productivity tool. So, you know, you're able to kind of sync your, your telephone, your email, and from there we can actually generate insights to kind of help you close deals. And, and another big selling point about us is that we have a very strong mobile component based on all of our competitors out there. So if you want to download base CRM, you'll see that we're the number one CRM platform in both the Android and iOS stores. Nice, nice. So I know that we have, you know, a fair amount of entrepreneurs that listen mm -hmm. to the show. Talk to me kind of about why I guess a CRM would be important for them. Yeah, exactly. I would say at least from from some of my background, I actually used to do a lot of freelancing. And so it's a great opportunity to, for one, set yourself up with a sales process. I know a lot of times you may have someone that comes through your email that's interested. For one, we track those emails. Two, you know, you can say, okay, we've talked a little bit. You can have your quoting system in there. And then three, over time, you know, based on your revenue that you've generated after your, your project, you can actually look back and see kind of how successful you were with those deals, how long it took you to close those deals, if there are any sort of trends in conversations. And then from there, you can kind of look at that and see how you can even improve those processes and, and hopefully in turn start to, you know, build more revenue and, and grow your team. I got you. Just kind of help sort of keep all those little like disparate parts in one place. Exactly. And exactly. Kind of tracks it in a way where you can see what your own progress is. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of times, you know, as you're, you're growing, you get all these single point solutions. Before you know it, you have about five different apps that you're working from. With Base, right. it really kind of consolidates all of that into one single application. Nice. So you're the design manager there. Kind of, you know, walk me through a typical day. What is it that you do as the design manager there? Yeah. I get to do a little bit of design work, but generally my days start with meetings in the morning. We have an international company. So we have our development team and our product team in Poland. And so really a lot of our face-to-face -face conversations happen over Skype, HipCheck, Google Hangouts, whatever's working that day. And so that'll usually be a part of, you know, the first three, four hours of my day. Then after that, it's really kind of responding to, you know, emails Depending on the day, we'll have our design reviews as well. And then, you know, fortunately, I get to spend some of my day, uh, two or three hours, um, actually working on some designs. You know, later on those days, I may be working on some strategy and, and kind of growth and recruiting as well. So it really kind of varies. Uh, it can be a lot. But, you know, I think that's just a part of being in a startup at our stage. And how big is the design team? So right now we have about four designers. We have someone else actually joining the team in a few weeks here. But we're actually, I, I wish I told you earlier, but we're actually looking to hire a few positions right now. So I'm looking to fill about three additional roles. Nice. And they have to be located there in California? Uh, actually, they don't necessarily have to be here in California. We actually have a, a lot of guys that actually that are coming from all over the United States. Our sales team is from a, a lot of different locations. I myself... I actually moved out here from Chicago. So honestly, if you have the skills and we think you can really fit the bill in terms of what we're looking for, we welcome you on board. Nice. So yeah, for people that are listening, they're looking for a job, definitely hit up Harrison yeah, for <laughs> after sure. this interview and let them know. Yeah. So in the work that you're doing there, what would you say makes someone a good design manager? Because I think, yeah. you know, we have a lot of designers that do listen and they kind of want to know how do they make that yeah. transition to being 
I guess, management or even, you know, just a higher type of position where you're over more designers? Totally. Yeah. And that's a really good question. I think, you know, for me, that's something that I struggled with a long time. You know, I, I don't think I, I woke up five years ago, you know, wanting to be a design manager, but really it, it takes listening, right? You know, at base, we really believe in communication, whether it be from a day-to-day standpoint, whether it be from our impact reviews, but also being able to create a culture that listens, right? So, you know, having things up on our, on our whiteboards, uh, having things up on our foam core boards, having our design reviews, right? It's listening, letting other people learn how to listen to each other. And then that just, you know, creates an environment where we, we really start to consider other people's ideas. Obviously, we want to consider our customers as well. But it's something that, you know, you have to continuously build on. And that's honestly what's going to take you to the next level. You know, being a manager doesn't mean that you necessarily pass down orders, right? It's about building a team around you that, you know, bring on different assets and really listening and and taking that information and, and figuring out how it can grow the team or benefit the team as a whole and move them forward. Can you talk about, I guess, what are some plans that BASE has coming up in the near future? Depends. In terms of product, we have a lot of really awesome things in the pipeline. I can't elaborate on, on all of them. But for one, you know, we're always moving forward on, with our actual mobile application. So in the last month, we actually updated a rollout with an entire brand new material design update on our Android application. And that's really going to provide us with a platform to build a lot of new experiences on top of that that are extremely unique to our industry, but even for business software, right? Mm-hmm. Another thing that we're looking at and which I really encourage all you designers out there to really start to look into is kind of the recommendations and insights based on data, right? You know, there's a lot of data visualizations, but one of the things that we really think about is how we can build trust to who we're communicating with. And so really kind of bridging that gap between machine and human is another thing that we're looking at. We have a conference actually in early June called Forecast which you guys should look at. It's forecast.getbase.com. And we're really looking at this idea of bringing science into sales, right? Mm. We believe that growth in your, your sales productivity, your processes can really be quantified and you, know, you can have expected results given the circumstances that you really kind of build in your company. So there's a lot of really exciting things on a product end but also that's really going to affect design for business applications, especially as the consumer appeal from here on out. So as a design manager, it also kind of sounds like you work with, I guess, your developers there as well Mm -hmm. to kind of bridge these concepts together. Exactly. Yeah, actually, there's a lot of collaboration, right? So like I had mentioned before, that idea of listening, uh, I think there's also this this idea of being proactive. So we we really don't believe in kind of you know, having walls between different departments. So the same way that we think about design not being made in a funnel is the same way in terms of collaboration, right? You know, I like to, whenever I give my design presentation to, to new employees, regardless of department, whether they be in sales, whether they be in support or marketing, always have this concept of the circle of life, right? Obviously, it really begins with the customer, but really, listening to marketing, what are those guys dealing with? What is sales dealing with? What is our support team dealing with? You know, our product team listens to that input, right? That comes to, to us as designers to really solve those problems. Even collaborating with the CEO, right? Building these 
really actually collaborating with everyone, we can build even more efficient processes. And in the end, we come out with a better application. So one thing that you mentioned earlier is that, you know, Base has this really kind of strong mobile component, which Mm -hmm. is something that you don't really see with a lot of CRMs. Why do you all have that kind of focus, particularly on mobile? We really kind of look at sort of this idea of adoption, right? If your your sales team, if they're not adopting a tool that is supposed to help them close deals, or as you as a manager, where you can't have any visibility in terms of their process, it's really a waste of money, right? Now, I think a really good question for that is how we've maintained that balance of kind of simplicity and good design is, and I, and I think that's because we've always kind of stuck to just a core set of, of design principles that we can kind of refer to with every new project that we have, right? When we bring on new customers that may have new requirements, we always think about how that works in terms of our product and how it will affect other customers as well, right? So we mm-hmm. always, we really kind of always kind of base our our direction from our actual platform that we've already established. We don't want to abandon those rules for just one person. And then two is really, we're, we're all actually, when we talk about kind of like our developers or whether it be our CEO or our product team, we're actually really design driven. So we actually have a lot of quality assurance. We may go back and forth in terms of our design reviews and say, hey, is this the way that we really do it? And I think that's why we were able to kind of maintain a, a good experience there. Let's kind of go back a little bit because I'm really interested to know sort of how you first got involved with design. Like what was, where yeah. did that spark come from? I think it goes, I think it goes really far back. I, I really kind of started out really kind of programming, developing like front end. And it really kind of came from a, a weird place. When I was younger, actually, unfortunately, someone broke into our house and, and stole a, a good amount of our, our belongings. And my, my father's company actually donated a computer. On the flip side, one of my mom's coworkers was a, a computer technician. And he was like, hey, let me know what kind of hardware that you want on this computer. And I can get it to you for a decent price, right? And so back then... A lot of people didn't have the internet and, you know, kind of the internet was just kind of, I think it it was just kind of cast off as something that people really didn't know that well. And so no one really paid it any mind. And so I was really into kind of online gaming. And I'm sure some of you, I guess, old cats listening right now are familiar with GeoCities. That's really kind of where I began, (laughs) you know, kind of programming. and, And actually, there are a few tools back then that were free. So I always go back to Microsoft front page. That was actually a free tool back then. And, and so, you know, I just kind of always messed around with those web pages. And, and actually my first job was being a web developer for my mom's elementary school. And so I did that for a few summers and, you know, really kind of, I, I learned a lot back then. I mean, this was, this is when XHTML was a big thing. And then my motivation really to get into design actually came from video games. And so I really liked to mod those games. And I was just really always kind of tinkering around, couldn't really afford the Photoshop. So I started on PaintShop Pro. And, you know, from there, when I got to college, you know, it was kind of like the world was my oyster. I I knew exactly what I wanted to go into. I knew I always wanted to do design. And that was where I really at least got a formal education moving into it and just kind of coupling that with web development really to me is, is what 
I don't know, I, I, something just kind of sparked. It's like I can almost envision something and build it. And the first time I did that, I mean, it, it just it just really struck me and it was really inspiring. And I just wanted to do more and, and keep learning. So, you know, that I guess that's kind of my start. And, you know, I've always been a huge believer in kind of design. If you can kind of couple that with your passion, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's design related. You can really you can really make a huge impact. And so um, I think that's what kind of motivated a lot of my startup experience and also kind of freelancing, right? I always found opportunities where design necessarily wasn't there, but where I could make a big impact. And so speaking of that formal education, you went to the University of Iowa, is that correct? Correct. Tell me about your time there. What was it like? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. So I actually got recruited to play football at Iowa. So this was back in 05, and, and it, was, it was quite the experience. Iowa was actually ranked top 10. So uh, if you can imagine, kind of like the big bright lights, packed stadiums, ESPN, and as crazy and as busy as my schedule was, whether it be taking 16 credit hour classes and then going to practice for, you know, around six hours a day and study table, I actually ended up getting a job at the university student marketing center. So I did that for about 12 hours out of the week. So it, it had always actually been, design had always been a part of my college career. Actually, I worked at that, that firm, you could say, for about four years. And, you know, I got to a point where I really had to kind of decide if I, I wanted to play football for all four years or really focus on my career. And so in 2007, I stopped playing football. And I had a very, very, I had, a, I would say I almost kind of lived like three lives in college, right? Because there, I actually had friends in college that didn't even know I played football. And so I got into student government. And one of the big things that I actually, I started out in Black Student Union. Actually, one of the big things that I wanted to do was kind of rebrand the Black Student Union. And, you know, back then, I think we only had, may have had only like 10 active members. And, you know, we had a really good close-knit group of guys that really wanted to build something on campus that was high profile. And that would have really kind of put us on the map in terms of, you know, the, the, the beginning of the year. Like we were always aiming to be a premier event during the, the school year kickoff. And so that was kind of like our end goal was to build a, an organization that was as big as possible. So on my end, I ended up making like this campaign video we built this amazing website. We had a nice, consistent branding through all the print materials that went out. And I would say that August, when school started, we had almost 200 participants in the Black Student Union. So to go from 10 to 200, that was something that was truly amazing. And the visibility and the professionalism and the appeal was, was the thing that really kind of stood out. And so after that chapter, I actually ended up running for vice president of student government and so I was actually able to design my own campaign. And, and that was awesome and inspiring going around campus and, and seeing kind of people wearing our campaign's logo because it looked good, right? I mean, it looked really good. We <laughs> made like a fashion statement as well. That was around my junior year. And around like my senior year, I started to really get into music. So I actually used to design flyers for a promoter on campus. And it, it kind of ended up, growing into this thing where he connected me with a lot of actual like music celebrities. And I ended up connecting with some folks who worked with Russell Simmons and we, we worked on a music streaming website. So that was 
I actually worked with the entrepreneurial school to build that website. And it was great because I was able to pitch a product, kind of build a deck, design the product, and also get to fly to New York and, and talk to record labels on a weekend and then come back to classes on Monday. <laughs> so, so that was a really fun time for me. And that actually kind of was the jumping point into me starting to get to rebrand some of Russell Simmons' work. One of my first projects was to actually design his MySpace page, which back then was a big deal. <laughs> I, it's like I sound so old school right now, but yeah, that was, it was such a big deal. And you know, from there, I really started to this is where I really kind of started to challenge myself, right? Because I was like, man, I really want the big project. And the big project to me was to actually redesign his corporate website. Um, and so I remember, you know, it was actually, I want to say uh, around Obama's inauguration, I really needed to learn how to do a WordPress blog. I didn't know how to do that. And so I remember just sitting there for eight hours, just trying to figure out how to build a WordPress project and actually, when I finally got to that point of getting Russell Simmons' corporate website, I built that on WordPress, which for me was like amazing because I was like, I could finally build something that was dynamic, you know, that was actually like a legitimate business. And, and so from there, you know, like, like you're saying, like I'm going through these different levels of kind of thought process and seeing where design can go and the effect that it can have, right? And, and so that was, I did that actually... I want to say my final semester in college. And so after that, I actually moved into, I wanted to actually do some concert work. And so from there, I actually started my own promotion company with, with three of my friends. And that was another unique case where, you know, I didn't have any money. My buddies didn't have any money. We really kind of bootstrapped it. And, and this example is kind of where I really try to emphasize people to really know the value that they bring to the table. I think as a designer, you have so much power, right? Because you can come up with an idea, envision it, build it, and, you know, bring it out to the masses and they can interact with it and you can see their reaction from it, right? And so, again, was able to kind of build this brand from the ground up. We didn't really have a track record, but we were trying to deal with these major music labels. But the thing that kind of set us apart was the fact that we had this amazing brand, right? That amazing put together brand developed some trust. And, you know, within a good year and a half, we ended up booking Mike Posner, Wiz Khalifa, Big Sean, Macklemore, J. Cole, all of these artists, which ended up being pretty big through this idea of being able to design something, executing it from a visual standpoint, from a technical standpoint, we actually built our own ticketing system and then also kind of business design. We want to be as efficient as possible, really kind of focus on our customer experience, the agent experience, as well as the band's experience. And so even though that, that's a lot of stuff that I described, that's, that all happened within about four and a half years. So I guess it's safe to say that that was a really good time in college. I mean, it sounds like this wasn't really something that was attributed, I guess, to the University of Iowa's design program. Because like you said, you did these three different things. You went from football to like student government to fine arts. Like it, it seems like there was just a lot of, uh, of opportunity and that the school allowed you to be able to pursue yeah. each of these different things, even though you were kind of 
still just within one particular educational discipline. Totally. And, and I, 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 this is not to discount the, uh, the art program in Iowa, actually. Oh, no, no, me, it's not discounting yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually gave me some very, I learned a lot of very sound kind of design knowledge from there. And I had some really great people to learn from. And they actually really did push me to, to be my best because I think they saw the potential in me. That I think that was that was another thing that that also helped me really kind of get through college. Whether it be you know my boss that was in marketing and design, he was my boss for about four years, as well as my my design pr- professor doing my BFA program. So those guys are are totally, honestly, really kind of helped me get to where I am today as well. It also doesn't really sound like it was a big shift personally for you because these were all things that you were really interested in, you're just able to kind of explore these different facets. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, there, there was something where if I saw it, I was like, I knew it, it could be a lot better. And I think my motivation was also is that if, if I was to do it better, I would do it better than anybody else. And I was totally up for the challenge. And so it really kind of it allowed me to push myself to not only work in one medium, right? I was selling tickets, you know, we were doing promotions, we were doing a lot of public speaking. So you know, there was a lot of things that really kind of pushed me during this experience. So one of the, I guess you could say one of your claims to fame, and I know this is sort of minor. So if you ever get business cards or anything made, you can say that you design Russell Simmons' MySpace page. <laughs> I, I know, I know. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I've actually never really had personal business cards doing, doing the freelance stuff. But yeah, those, I have stories of, of that experience and that I'll never forget, honestly. And yeah, it's, it's pretty insane to think about that. So talk to me about this. You said it was a music streaming website mm-hmm. that you put together. Yep. And then I guess later on, that kind of evolved into this promotion company. What was that about? Yeah. So actually, I ended up working with uh, three guys, two of which were located on the East Coast in Maryland and Florida. They had actually worked at Global Grind at the time. And then an engineer who worked at the University of Iowa. And so we had this idea of really, which, you know, is, is kind of solved now, but it was this idea of, you know, connecting the artist to the consumer. And, you know, what we really wanted to do was to have something that a user could access easily on the web because, you know, mobile phones just really hadn't developed to the point and internet speeds weren't at the point that they are today. And it was a really awesome experience. We worked on it, I want to say, for about a good eight months. I mean, ultimately, we couldn't get the funding for it because the timing just was, was bad. There were about two companies that had shut down because they weren't able to, to make money. But the idea really, or excuse me, what we ended up doing, we ended up building a, a web platform that could stream music within about three months. And this is like crazy for back then because we were using a combination of PHP, Flash web media server, and HTML5 really wasn't out at that time. But we were- What, what year was this? This was, I wanna say 2009, around 2008, okay. 2009. Yeah, I mean, we had built something that was really amazing, but unfortunately, we just couldn't get, get the legs off the ground on it. You know, and, and I think that's, a you know, if I look back, that's totally a testament of, of us really kind of thinking if you can really put your head together and and you have like a, a, a true kind of passion, like you can make anything happen. It's unfortunate it didn't work out. Actually, Spotify was still in Europe at the time. iMeme had just gone bankrupt. 
And uh, I think Lala had also closed. Oh, Lala had been bought by Apple. So, you know, it was a very, very turbulent time, you could say, in the streaming music industry back then. And so what ended up happening to it? Is it still around or did you guys kind of sunset it? Yeah, it, w- it was sunset. So after that, that's actually when I got into the, the concert promotion company. Okay. All right. And so from there, how did you end up at Gitbase? I'm kind of trying to track what your <laughs> what your progress was here because it sounds like you jumped around and moved and did a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. So there's a actually it's, it's a few things. So when I went, Gitbase actually kind of goes the connection there goes kind of way back. Actually, one of my friends used to run track at Iowa, and he was actually in my dorm. And when I was working at Iowa, he mentioned, "Hey, Harrison." you should work at, at base. You know, we just started, you should check out our application. And at that time I had actually started another job at Iowa as a web developer at the university of Iowa foundation. And I told him, I was like, no, man, you guys are like way too young. Like I, I don't, I'm not going to move to Chicago for this right now. And so about two years down the road, he was actually in town for his little brother's graduation. And I happened to see him and his family and they're like, Hey Harrison, you, you should really consider, working at base. I mean, we're, we're starting to really kind of grow and we need you on the team. And so I was like, okay, I'll think about it. And so I ended up driving down to Chicago, interviewing with the CEO and, you know, it worked out. It was what I would call a career pivot. Right. And I think you kind of alluded to it. You know, you said I was doing a lot of other things. So this really kind of challenged me as my first kind of foray into mobile design, you know, uh, working on a single application. So there's a lot of opportunity for me to learn and, and, and grow there. And the thing was, to my surprise, I didn't know it was going to move as fast as it did, right? So I was actually only in Chicago for about 10 months. And we got some funding and, and relocated our company completely out here to the Bay Area. Wow. And it's been gangbusters ever since, it, it sounds it like. It has been, yeah. But I wouldn't want to have it any other way. I mean, you know, no day at work is the same. I mean, it's something else different. My job has changed. If we think about even within the company, we have two departments that weren't even here, you know, six months ago. So it's always something new. It's always something fresh. And and there's always something that I'm learning and that I'm being challenged on, whether it be as a designer or as a manager. What's the hardest part about what you do? Ooh, what's the hardest part? I would say the hardest part about what I do is maybe not having enough time in the day. (laughs) I can see that. I can definitely see that because you say you're managing kind of a small team, but you're also, as you alluded to earlier, you're growing that team. Exactly. And there's like some recruiting that has to go on as well. I'm interested in the recruiting part because, of course, you know, right now in tech, there's a lot of talk about recruitment and diversity and and things of that nature. How has it been for you, like from your vantage point? Has it been, been easy kind of building a team? Is diversity something that base is kind of really, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it something that they're, they're concerned about? Like, talk to me about yeah, that. that. If I think about that, and I'm, I'm going to be totally biased, if I think about that, the, the idea of diversity at base, I, I, I wouldn't say it's something that we've necessarily talked about because, you know, in my opinion, I don't think we've particularly had an issue. We have a very, very diverse group of people on all of our teams. And I, and I think that, you know, I think it's, it's actually very, very comforting to see that there's no sort of bias in, in terms of how we hire. You know, at, at one point, my design team was, was all women, if that, that speaks to one thing. And also, 
you know, if I think about the idea of black designers in the Bay Area, I, I really honestly don't don't see a ton. And so I think that means a lot of the fact that I'm leading the team here as well. So hopefully, hopefully that that makes sense. Do you know a woman named Kat Veos? Does that name sound familiar? Well, by listening to your <laughs> podcast, I do. actually I actually ended up just joining her her uh, her meetup, and she just messaged me this morning. So so nice. thank you. I, I now know her. Yeah, I was going to say the Bay the Bay Area Black Designers yeah. group. She has about about a hundred black designers, I think, that are in there. Yeah, I, I'm, so definitely you can find some more. You know, I'm I'm so glad that that actually came on on your show because. You know, I was I was on Meetup when I first moved out here, and I was like, man, there there isn't anything for black designers out here. So, thank you so much for that. Oh, no problem, no problem. So I, I'm interested, you know, kind of I guess going back to diversity. And I don't mean to kind of belabor the yeah. point here, but also with the conversation around it, I'm wondering just kind of there in Silicon Valley, because yeah. I think so much of the diversity conversation in tech, yeah. particularly, is centered on on Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Is that same type of conversation going on? about design and if it is yeah. is it also kind of centered on silicon valley oh that's that's a really so I, i'll tell you this when it comes to the idea of diversity i think i almost kind of immediately looked at it from an engineering standpoint right okay you know from a design standpoint i think the theme of diversity that always tends to come up is 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 sort of when the women in terms of diversity but honestly, I really haven't, I have not really heard too many conversations from the design standpoint, you know, and, and I would say, at least in, in my recruiting, you know, I, I, I really have not, not seen too many in, in that realm, right? I haven't seen a lot of diversity when we're coming to minorities in that realm. So I think that's almost a conversation that, that, could, be, that could be started and that I think there, you know, in my opinion, I think there is a void. How do you kind of feel about the state of design right now? I mean, that's, that's kind of a big, mm-hmm. really, like 10,000-foot view here. But, mm-hmm. but what do you think about that? The design in general? We'll say product design. We'll, we'll yeah. narrow it down to that. Oh, you're working. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's interesting, you know, because I would say when I was in college, I think maybe the biggest role in design would have been like a creative director, right? And now, you know, it, it's totally branched out. And, you know, it's paying as much as a, as a surgeon in some cases, right? It's interesting. I would say there isn't a better time to be a designer than now. And, you know, I think that there's definitely, I think there's some pros to that. And I think there's some cons to that as well, right? You know, I've, I've, always, <laughs> I've always kind of said this thing, well, I can't necessarily pick up a, a, a you know, a law book and call myself a lawyer. And, you know, I say the same thing with design. However, there's a lot of, lot of tools available. You know, it, it's, a, it's a lot more complex, I think, than it, than it has been in the past, right? For the fact that you have so many different platforms, you know, you have so many tools, you know, which ones do you focus on? You know, there's a lot of kind of conversation around, you know, these guidelines that are coming out, a lot of conversations that are coming in, you know, consumer apps versus business apps. I think really for, for a designer, I would say they need to kind of find a, a single focus and kind of work on kind of perfecting their, their talent in, in that and really kind of challenging themselves, you know, and I think that that benefits you long term. You know, I, I'll say really experience is what makes you a really good designer, right? Not necessarily what looks good on Dribble, 
And I think we should just, you know, we should always kind of kind of keep that in mind. Do you think that the industry is starting to kind of, or I don't want to say started, but do you think the industry has sort of put this prioritization on tools like, well, not tools, platforms, I should say, mm-hmm. like Dribble or, you know what, let me scratch that question because I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. The reason I was sort of asking yeah. is because there was this this piece that came out on Medium mm-hmm. that was talking about kind of the unbearable homogeneity yeah. of design. Yeah, yeah. And, and the way that the author kind of approached it was, you know, talking about kind of the dribbleization yeah. of the web, but then also kind of focusing on, you know, gender diversity, racial diversity. Yeah. And it surprised me how many people attacked her on the dribbleization part. Yeah, it's, man, you know, it's a really tough one, right? Because... I'm not the biggest fan of, I love Dribbble, right? I, I think it's great in terms of, you know, me recruiting and increasing our visibility. But you see things that look really cool that just don't work, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? I, I think it's one of those things where you, you're combining this social aspect. So it's like you want attention and you're doing that for the clicks, right? And I don't necessarily think that that's the way design should be, right? You know, I think good design is extremely subtle, like the user's not necessarily going to notice it, right? Having cool animations actually may be a huge barrier, right? I think really kind of applying yourself, you learn these things. You know, you have to really kind of take those risks and have something that's in the market or work with freelance clients and get real feedback, right? Because, you know, unfortunately, the design world isn't something that you just think of, put it out there, and people accept it, right? You know, that's kind of something that we fight, fight about with base, right? Earlier in the, you know, in the interview, you kind of asked me what's the difference between, you know, a mobile experience or an application like base versus some of the other competitors out there. Well, if we think about that idea of adoption, right? I would say a lot of my, my design thinking is grounded, obviously, in the consumer side, but also, you know, in mind of, of business goals as well, right? There's general goals and me- success metrics. And so sometimes, you know, those cool animations, you know, cool interfaces may not necessarily work out in, in light of those goals, whether it be on the consumer and other business end. I see. And I would think from a hiring standpoint, and again, I'm guessing because I haven't had to hire designers, yeah. but I would assume just because of the restriction mm-hmm. of the format, like you can only do these small kind of square images, you can't really get a sense of someone's full design style or or really their design process through such a small actually, so, so actually, kind of example. Actually, we've worked really, really hard on our, our hiring. And so for one, we have kind of three steps. So for one, we kind of go through like our initial call, right? We're kind of always able to kind of see their, their, their portfolio, right? I mean, every designer should have a portfolio, whether, right, whether right. it be on Dribbble, whether it be their website. Um, but one of the things that we do, we give them a design challenge, right? If Should any of you listening apply, I'm going to give you some uh, hints here. But we actually kind of leave the, the test fairly ambiguous, right? For one, it really allows us to kind of see how that person deals with ambiguity, right? Do they see the restraints? What are their assumptions? High-fidelity design, really good-looking design, it, it, it's not going to determine if you get hired or not. I mean, we have people that we've hired that haven't given us, you know, the best designs in the world. It's the fact that their thinking is on another level, right? They can tell us about their process. 
they can also tell us about the experiences that they had in their process as well. And so I think that's really, in my head, I think that's what design really encompasses, right? Your process to get to that point, right? Not just, you know, turning on a computer and putting things on the screen and say, that's it, right? And yeah, you know, design, design I think when you're doing design, when you're doing consumer-driven design, business design, it's not an art per se, right? It's, it's not like you take a, a paintbrush and slap strokes on the screen, you know, it's really kind of sticking to your design foundations, your design principles, while also keeping those business goals and, and the users in mind. What's the best advice that you've been given about design? I would say always kind of stick to, to your principles. You know, you know how people tell you to stick to your morals and let your morals guide you. I really think your principles can really guide you, especially when it comes to, to scaling. You know, you're always going to have consistency in your thinking, in terms of what you're designing. You know, here we, we deliver full featured experiences from, you know, you know, Android application, iOS, the web, right? And we always keep those principles in mind and our goals in mind. And, and so if you keep that in mind, you, you, have, you have consistency, right? You have a foundation that you can build from, right? This idea of also iterating, right? Coming to terms that, you know, your first design may not be the right design and, you know, based on feedback, you may have to change those designs, right? You have to be okay mm -hmm. with that. You have to be okay with accepting that communication, that feedback and iterating, right? And, and that's where you really start to become a successful designer because you kind of take those as little bitty nuggets, little bitty lessons that later on you're able to make something even more transformative or you can kind of look back at your old designs and be like, what was I doing? So... Yeah, I know it's a combination of a lot of things, but those are those are those are pretty powerful. Who are some of the people that have motivated you? Like mentors or or have you had any people in the industry that you really kind of look up to? You know, I'll definitely say, you know, our, our CEO, I mean, he he he's definitely been inspiring and really kind of mentored me through my time here because it it wasn't always easy, right? When I began, I was really really challenged you know, moving into product design, I, I would definitely say my parents, like I said, you know, early in the you know, mid nineties, people didn't know what really the, the, the impact that computers or the internet would have. And my parents just always supported me regardless of what I did. And that, that means a lot. I mean, I never necessarily, I was persuaded to do something else because I didn't feel comfortable. Right. Or my parents didn't have this you know, path that they wanted me to go down. Sure, there were times they were uncertain, but they always supported me there, right? Seeing people that I've worked with through freelancing, kind of working on those things and at least seeing them grow and think of different things, that, that was inspiring. I mean, that, that always kind of moved me, right? From a management standpoint, my old manager at the University of Iowa Foundation, my manager at uh, University of Iowa Marketing Design, my art professor, I mean, those are, those are like my mentors along the way, right? I was in those environments for a sustained period of times, and so um, I really kind of soaked the, those things in, right? Also, you know, my, my, my brothers are always inspirational. You know, my brother's actually an artist in high school, and so I used to grow up seeing him kind of draw these arts that would actually, or these works that would actually go to art shows. He's really in architecture, so, you know, I think that kind of has a very artistic feel to it. And yeah, I, I mean, my brother just always kind of, my oldest brother at least always pushed me to, 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 to go my hardest. So 
I had a very supportive family and, and just, you know, really good people along the way that in every phase of my life that have, have really kind of helped me out. Are you where you want to be at this stage in your life? Like if you yeah. look back to where you were, you think so? I, I want to say when I was in college to think that, you know, like I said before, I would have never known design would have, have evolved to this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the iPhone was a game changer for sure, like regardless if you're a fanboy or not. But yeah, I, I would say, you know, I, I knew I always kind of wanted to be out here, especially kind of later in, in college. I just never knew it would manifest itself in the way that it has, right? And, and I think that's okay, right? You know, I, I, I definitely, I don't believe in setting up, you know, expectations for yourself where you end up being disappointed, but I think I always wanted to see myself at a place like Google, you know, when I was, when I was younger, but, you know, kind of as things turned, I, I think things here are just amazing because I'm able to make an impact instantly. You know, I'm able to transform and I've seen the, the, the culture transform. I've met a lot of really cool people that, you know, are going through a startup company, growing as people as well. And, and it's, and it's been great. I, I mean, it pushes us every day. It challenges us. You know, I see my coworkers get challenged and we can talk about it. You know, we're, we're like family here. And I think you don't necessarily get that at some of the larger companies. And, and so, yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely where I want to be right now. Where do you see yourself in like the next five years or so? Ooh, toughie. <laughs> well, if the rent doesn't keep going up. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. I saw um, like an article recently saying something about uh, San Francisco housing like yeah. from the low millions or something yeah. like that it's, it's serious it's serious. that's no joke it is serious yeah man I, I would definitely love to you know get the design team pretty large here you know and i i think at some point i'd definitely love to you know have my own business you know really be able to kind of you know kind of make action on a lot of my own ideas and and perhaps maybe you know those grow into their own business as well so i i don't i don't see that foresee that happening for another, you know, three, four years. But yeah, when that time comes, I'll definitely be, be ready to go at it. So just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online? Yeah, you can uh, head to my website at harrisonwheeler.com, or you can actually reach me on Instagram or Twitter at the handle at H-M-W-H-E-E-L-E, or just shoot me an email at her hello at harrisonwheeler.com. And yeah, like I had mentioned before, we're looking to hire product designers and UX designers at base. So you can head to that website, getbase.com slash careers to apply for those positions. All right, man. Sounds good. Well, Harrison Wheeler, thank you again so much for kind of taking time out of your day. I know you have a lot of stuff that's going on. Uh, I really like hearing kind of what your 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 story was in terms of a lot of the things that you did in college and mm -hmm. how they ended up kind of eventually normalizing. I mean, that's sort of one way to put it, but being able to kind of come together in this one way about design, mm -hmm. it really sounds like you have a lot of thoughtful perspectives on design, particularly about design management. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I think, you know, our audience really kind of wants to hear, particularly because we've got, like I said, a lot of designers and students and things, yeah. and people that kind of want to be in the position where you are. So hearing people really talk about how they got there and what their perspectives are is uh it's super important man so thank you again totally. so much i appreciate awesome. it awesome thank you for having me on the show maurice Thoughts of love are in. Love.
And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Harrison Wheeler and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Harrison and his work with the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, and Hover. Facebook invests in design. They care deeply about how their design team might do their best work, and that manifests in a number of different ways, such as building tools like origami, sharing what they've learned on Medium, and by giving back to the design community. Learn more about Facebook design at facebook.com forward slash design. More than 10 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to send email newsletters. Sign up for a free account today. MailChimp, send better email. Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domains. Search for a few keywords and Hover will show you the best available options across all the domain extensions out there. Ready to get started? Save 10% off your first purchase by using our promo code REVISIONPATH at checkout. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro audio by Yellow Speaker. Leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps us get new listeners, it helps us move up those podcast rankings for design, and I'll even read your review right here on the show. It really means a lot. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. If you like the work Revision Path is doing with the podcast and the website, then visit us over at Patreon and become a patron. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge level started just $1 per month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.